You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McCuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and you may even be able to hear in the background the incredible blustery wind and rain that has been hammering Edinburgh for the last few days. Uh, This is the first of this year's uh, Edinburgh Fringe live podcasts uh, recorded at Bob and Misbehaves Bookshop at 5 Holyrood Road uh, as part of their Heroes of Fringe uh, Fringe as part of the Heroes of Fringe is probably the quickest way of saying that. Um, you can go to heroesoffringe.com uh, and see everyone else that's on there. And uh, I will tell you a little bit more about the forthcoming podcasts uh, who are going to be, uh, which will be at that venue uh, in just a moment. But first, here's Sam Simmons. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Help yourself to uh, a very, very high stool yeah. and some unopened water. Lovely. Oh, Lovely. yeah. Lovely. Um, so can we just... Uh, in, fact, in fact, shall I ask who here has seen you? Can I just have a show of hands if you've seen Sam's stuff? Brilliant. Okay, so about half the room, uh, which, if you're listening at home, has got well over a 1,000 people in it. Um, <laughs> for the benefit of, uh, of those people who haven't seen you before... Do you, in fact, let's just tell us... We started having this conversation before, uh, before the show. Let's have it now. How was tonight? Good, good, good night tonight. You were said when you came in, you were like, yeah. okay, it's, it's good, I'm happy to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I'm in a good mood, well. so it's all right. Like, uh, last two nights, not, not so good, weird. And it's not like being like a weird, like, Friday, Saturday night audience thing, but yeah, that, you were there, you, you saw. You, you got through it, though, you liked it, yeah? I loved it, but the audience didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh... it's true. Actually, I actually thought Friday night was even worse than that, but uh, I thought last night was kind of okay. No? Jeez, all right. For the benefit shit. of the lesson, the guy, the guy just did the, uh, the wiggly hand gesture. That means, <laughs> don't know about that, Sam. So for the people here who don't know, the people listening who don't know, what, what, how would you describe the stuff that you do? Because it's very unusual. It's certainly not straight stand-up. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it, it gets labelled as being, like, surreal or uh, absurd, which, you know, I just think it's funny. But anyway, that's just me. But... Um, <laughs> It gets labelled like that, that it's kind of like quite odd and you, you can't get your head around it. But fuck, I mean, it, it's also subjective, isn't it? Like, you know, I, I, I go off and see stand-up and just go, no, thank you, not me. And then I'm watching people just roaring with laughter around me. I'm just like, fuck, yeah. I'm so bored. But so, yeah. So what, but just describe what it is. If it isn't stand-up to someone here that's never seen it before. Just a what, guy, what, what, right, guy being weird on a stage <laughs> for an hour. And it is, it, it just is that. But there's thought behind it. It's not like I'm just randomly out there just shouting out like a watermelon monkey purple dishwasher bullshit. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's weird. It seems like it's weird, but it's all netted together in a way. It's, it's, um, it's, uh, like, I'd hate, it's not performance art. Fuck that. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's my own, my own brew. I only, I only say brew because I saw the word brew up there. But, uh, yeah, the yeah, Kaiser Soze It's my own thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just being a dickhead on stage. It's, 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 it's not puerile, but it's, uh, it's, it's childish. It's innocent. It's innocent comedy. It's joyous as opposed to other things. 
Yeah, go on, go on. We'll fin finish that thought as opposed to what? Would you suggest well, I guess, that? I guess nasty stuff or... Uh, uh, I mean... You, there's certain, there's certain comedy I'll go on off and see and... I mean, fuck, it's gonna, this will turn into me just slagging off other comedians and I don't want to do Brilliant. that. Brilliant. I, <laughs> I, I think I speak for everyone here when I say, yay! Yeah. No, no. Well, look, it comes from a, it comes from a very uh, it comes from a very silly place and silly... Like, coming from Australia and being a silly comedian is a, it's a hard thing to do because Australia's pretty... Any Australians in, by the way? Okay, right. You know, it's it's hard. It's hard being an Australian. It's hard being a weird guy mm. or an effeminate kind of guy in Australia as well. It's like fuck off, faggot. Just get off. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? It's weird. And I come over here, and I think there's a. You're allowed to be weird and absurd, like over here, but maybe not being an Australian. Like, they can't get their heads around it sometime. <laughs> but they'll go off and bloody watch Paul Foot talk about bananas and pears and go, yeah, I get it. It's like, really? Why can't I do that? But anyway, yeah. but people are coming, which is lovely. But um, I guess, and I'm not saying off Paul Foot. I like Paul Foot. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but but do, do, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, performing that type of stuff in, like, uh, like, pubs and clubs around Australia really hardens you... Um, in terms of like doing something like slightly effeminate, I think people get sure. offended by silly stuff sure. in a way, like because they can't we, understand it. When we're talking about silly stuff here, just to paint a picture, your current show, you're, it's called Death of a Salesman, yeah. and you're a windsurfer, so you're wearing a sort of neoprene wetsuit, and you're yeah. standing on a windsurfing wind board, sale, windsurfing a windsail, yep. thank you, yep. uh, and you're standing on one of them. You've got two bum bags, yep. and throughout the show, there's a space nan. There yeah. are well, sharks. That, that, that's a subtle. A uh, story about death. Yeah, of course. There's a... It's not just there for a random reason. It's there for a point, purpose, emotive, evocative. And you drink from a moist towelette by squeezing it. Yeah, that's above. awesome. That's yeah, it is awesome. Yeah, that's it is. Incredible. And it's over the top of Pantera. It's just like really, really hardcore, like 90s death metal. And I'm just like wringing out a moist towelette in my mouth. Because that show, and the, the thing is about that show, a lot of people are just like, nah, it's so random. It's like, fuck off. Yeah. No, it's not. Like, everything in that is completely based in some type of reality. If you were swept out to sea and you had nothing to drink, you'd drink your moist towelette. If you had one on you, you'd go for it. You'd eat your chapstick. It makes sense. Uh, and, like, you know, you'd revert to cannibalism at some point and you'd start talking to yourself. It's actually grounded in such reality, that show. Yeah. So we'll, I, we'll definitely come back to this point about what's... I believe you. I believe you. What's, uh, we'll definitely come back to this point about what's sense and nonsense and the difference between what you're doing and, as you said, the, the you know, uh, inverted commas, surreal stuff of the, you know, purple dishwasher. Annoying. You know, an annoying, if you will. Um, Monkey cheese and teeth, it's called, I think. Is that a thing? Monkey cheese and teeth. Is comedy. That... Is it not called that here? Yeah, oh, right. yeah, it Monkey is now. cheese and teeth comedy. Yeah, sweet. Okay, so we'll, we'll come back to that. But I just want to look at how you started. Is this the sort of work you were making when you first started out as a comic? Yeah, it's always been weird. I've never been able to be uh, relatable in any way. I cannot do relatable stand-up <laughs> whatsoever. There's no, and I, and how, do, how do you know that you can't do it? Have you ever tried? I've tried. It was terrible. And a guy, uh, one of my favourite comedians, does anyone know Mike Wilmot? Yeah, yeah. Right. Mike Wilmot and I are the oddest of friends. Like, he is... We are the opposite of each other. Mm -hmm. He's just a great, amazing, stoic, filthy stand-up. And, uh, and me doing my cheese and teeth shit. Anyway, he really, really... He loves what I do and he just thinks, stick to your guns. And I tried doing... A, I was, there's a thing called The Road Show in Australia, which is where you travel around to regional cities internally and throughout Australia playing to, uh, to nanas in theatres. <laughs> 
and you've got to put on your best 20 minutes kind of thing. Like it's a big, it's a big deal, this kind of like this roadshow tour. And so I, I was, I had moments of just dying on stage in front of Nana's rurally everywhere. And so I had, to, I thought I had to change stuff. So I started trying to do relatable stand-up, and it was like it was fine. Like you know, people were kind of getting it. But what, my, what, what kind of stuff are you doing when you say relatable? What sort of topics? Just about my day and what's going on in that like small little town. Like oh, you got a weird, you got a giant sheep here. That's bloody weird, isn't it? Oh, I love sheep. I'll eat lamb. I don't know. Anyway, it was <laughs> it was relatable in a way. Yeah. You know okay. what I mean? And uh, anyway, uh, Mike just said. That's just terrible. Just do what you do. Just be weird, you fucking weirdo. And, and I really took that on. Like, he really bullied me into it. And he was right. I stuck to my guns and I changed, I changed my thought. Then I wasn't trying to, like, please, like, uh, a massive audience. Because I know I'll find, like, my pockets of an audience everywhere I go kind of thing. So I kind of just stuck to my guns and did my thing. And, yeah, he inspired a bit of that because he's, 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 he's insightful. So what was the first set that you ever did when you were doing, like, what, were you doing sort of fives or tens when you first started? Yeah, I was doing a, a bit of parody. <laughs> parody songs, you know, you know what that is, like Weird Al, but shitter. Um, like, yeah, existing, like, like existing tunes and changing the words kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, okay. some terrible stuff. Um, and then I, I evolved that into just being weirder and weirder on stage. And I think, I mean... There was always like I used like car, like pictures and cartoons and flip charts and all that type of uh, props basically, which I know that doesn't get a lot of chops here, but props. I was a prop comic and I still mm-hmm. am. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so yeah, it was a lot. It was always looked at as being quite weird, but it, it just slowly started to change and the comedy landscape became a bit more alternative. And and I, look, you know, great stand up is fucking fantastic. When I see, it, I, I just wish I could do that, but I can't do it. I delve in the world of fantasy. I don't talk about anything that's personal in my life ever, really, apart okay. from how the gig's going. Okay. Okay, that is that. I mean, that's definitely a thing that there's, there is a parallel line. You often comment on yourself, whether it's you live commenting on how it's well, there's going. There's nothing worse than like having a. Because I fucking. I know at certain points when I'm on stage, I'm doing something very fucking funny. Like, there's a part in my show. <laughs> you would have seen it last night. It was a bit last night where I'm, 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 I'm on stage and I am. I'm, okay, so basically, I've been swept out to sea. Um, and I start talking to myself and I'm, t- I'm battling to get control of my body because the internal voice in my body is having a conversation with me. I start fighting myself over um, 50 cents. I think it's called It's Your Birthday. Ding, okay, ding, yeah, it's yeah. your birthday. Anyway, so I start wrestling and fighting myself and I've got my hand up my ass, and I'm like wrestling myself and he's just like, I look out to the audience just like, nah. Like just like, and it's like, fuck, there's nothing funnier than a man wrestling himself on stage with his hand up his ass to 50 cent. Like, what is wrong with you people? And I, I, I challenge them as to what, or what the next bit's like where I'm trying to bang open a coconut to Kanye. Yeah. And it's like just a sea of apathy. And it's like, fuck off. Just like, I'd rather you heckled than just sat there in silence. You boring fucks. Like, there is nothing worse. Like, I don't know what it is, the, the, the threatened by something absurdity thing that goes on, okay. but people really do get threatened by it. Like, things they don't understand. That's like a very Australian thing. I don't understand that guy. I'm going to hit him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand it. Punch him. Like, what is it, though, that gives you the confidence that the stuff is funny in the face of the, albeit temporary, on that night... In the face of evidence to the contrary, if 400 people are looking at you like, this isn't funny... Because it's not for them, it's for fucking me. Like, it's, it's mine. Like, I love... Oh, see? That's the comedy gods going, fuck off. That's the... Uh, right, a, a sign just fell off the wall for people at home. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's for me. Like, I, I, I believe... I mean, it's not even like a big... Like, a, I've got a journey to take or anything like, you know, and I've got to prove this shit... 
I just enjoy doing it. And I love the combative nature of having an audience confused. Like, it's, it adds a layer of tension to a room that's pretty extraordinary. But you, but equally, you would rather they were laughing and enjoying it. I would, but sometimes no. I mean, if they're all on side, it's not going to work. Because I think that's, an, that's, a, that's a really essential part of your makeup, is that, that combative spirit mm. of, like, I can't imagine trying stuff out in the way that you're talking about and having people, like, if I try, like, a stupid one-liner twice and it doesn't work, even if I think it's I'll funny. I'll stick with it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. like, for, for a whole month. Yeah, and just like just weed them out, like and uh, and the thing is, I mean, I know, I mean, I get good, like I get a good amount of people to my shows, like I do back in Australia a lot, and uh, and over here it's 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 good, and I think that a lot of people just sit there the first time they see me really confused, but they'll come back. Yeah. Not all of them, but maybe forty percent of the people who didn't think they enjoyed it will come back because they think they've got a secret. They're like, you've got to yeah. see this weird guy. They come back the next year and they bring their friends who get more confused, then they come back. And is that... Because I know it's funny. I know it's funny at the end of the day and I think they do as well. They just don't realise it then. <laughs> <laughs> and is that... Is that, just staying with the audience for a moment, is that something you've discovered since being weird and recognising people coming back or, or recognising that people come back or is it something that you always knew would be the case? Because that seems, again, an incredibly confident position to go, this will work, I'm going to keep doing it, they'll come back. Well, no, I don't, just, I don't just go out there with one like, really shitty idea and then just stick to it for a month. I do change stuff, but there are certain things that are just for me. Like, sure. that, that but I, I mean, the, the, whole, the, whole, the whole job, the whole style, the whole thing, because like, you're not like anyone else. Because well, the nearest you could say is someone like, for example, you know, Paul Foote's absurdity. Yeah. But you're nothing like Paul Foote or Noel Fielding's kind of random surreal stuff. You're nothing like that. So given that you, I feel like you've almost invented a genre and gone, oh. there we go, this is my territory. Well, no, no, like... Who are you nicking it from? Well, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I, mean, it, I mean, it just sounds so wanky to go... It's, do it, it's, do it, do it. No, well, it, well, it kind of comes naturally. Like, I think it's just being brought up with a weird single mum. Like, she's amazing, but she's, like, a funniest woman, bitter. Just hot, like, sounds like a ho- horrible woman. Uh, wonderful woman, love her dearly, but, like, just got this, like, kind of amazingly bitter, acerbic kind of... Can I tell you a mum story? Of course. Mum would, like, just lay in bed, like, uh, reading Danielle Steele novels... And she'd be like, Sam, Samuel, microwave mother a lamb chop. And I'd be like, all right. So, and they'd be like individually wrapped lamb chops in the freezer door and I'd like put them onto a saucer and microwave them for a minute with a bit of HP sauce. And she'd be thank you, Samuel. It was just a very, it was a weird How old house. are you at the time of this story? Six to 12. Okay. <laughs> Always looking after mum, but she's a wonderful yeah. woman, like hilarious. Um, anyway, but it's just a very, look, single mother relationships can be pretty extraordinary. I guess like a... Mum had me quite late. So when I was a, a young fella, um, mum was going through menopause when I was going through puberty. So there was a lot of, like, hormones in the household. <laughs> so it was, like, rabid. Like, it was a really, really weird environment to be, to be brought up in. Does that make sense? She's, like, a, sure. a jazz singer and she almost had a massive career and it kind of, like, dived down. And it was just, it's just a, a strange way to be brought up. Like, it wasn't a normal upbringing. I didn't realise this until I was about 14. I looked at other people and went, oh, right... Uh, there was so much time spent alone, and a lot of that time was spent in front of the television watching certain things that I think completely impregnated which, what I'm what doing. What sort of things are we talking about? The goodies, like, uh, which I know you guys aren't really across. Yeah. I know yeah, it's yeah. British, but it's not really a thing that was... It was kind of on in the, uh, the 70s, the late yeah. 70s, but not really again. Is that right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah right. so it remained kind of cultish. In Australia, yeah. it was on non-stop from 1980 to 1995, every <laughs> single night at 5.30 on the ABC, which is our BBC. So I watched the goodies, like repeat episodes, non-stop as a child. That's all I watched. That and, uh, and Danger Mouse and uh, what was the other one? Oh, oh and uh, Basil Fawlty. Uh, Fawlty Tales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that, that was kind of like the stuff that kind of, I think... And was it a, what was it about the goodies that attracted you? What sort of elements of it? Well, it was just, it was on. <laughs> like, like, and, it, like, it's just that kind of, like, not having anybody at home because mum had to do, like, several jobs and stuff. It's just, like, it was just constantly on. So that stuff just went in there. And I met Graham Garden. I worked with him in Australia. And it was, like, a real, like, it was probably because we're two weird-looking pedo guys, but... <laughs> just for the, for the benefit of uh, the insane listener, let's change the uh, punctuation of that sentence to weird pedo-looking guys. Rather what than weird-looking pedo guys. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's just talk about the young you then, just for a bit longer. You're, um, so were you quite a lonesome kid if you're sort of sat in front of the TV the whole time? Were yeah, you we, we moved around a lot. Mum used to, like, uh, we used to... I'm really good at rena- I'm really good at home skills stuff. My wife wouldn't even really know this, but I'm actually very good at this stuff, like uh, handyman stuff. As a young man, like we used to like just renovate houses and then move into the next one. Are you bored? You're right. Um, uh, <laughs> we used to like just renovate houses, and so we did a lot of moving around. So there wasn't a lot of like uh, close childhood friendship kind of things. Sure. It was just all my mum's weird older friends, like for the big handyman who used to like teach me how to drill and paint and stuff like that. He was in, in our life. He ran over Popsy, our dog. But anyway. Um, I've, I've got to st- at this moment, I've got to say, we're all taking this at face value. This is extraordinary. No, and not, like, part of me is sort of going, nah, he's making this up. No, no, no. But this is, that's a really unusual environment. For yeah, people. we just moved around a lot. So there wasn't a lot of. Uh, and it wasn't even like, you know, that kind of thing where people say, oh, I had to entertain to make friends. I didn't even do that. Like, I was just kind of pretty, pretty lonely. Then when I was uh, 12 to 14, I was at the same school, made mates, then realised, yeah, my childhood's a bit weird. Not in a sad way, but, uh, like, you know, things are not Just normal unusual, in this relationship. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, made those friendships there with a very, very fucking funny guy called Stuart as well, Stuart Peaver. And um, he... I, think, I still think he's the funniest man in the world. So he's my childhood friend and we, just, we used to just be weird together. Okay. That thing was called being weak. It was just like being weird around the school. <laughs> People didn't get it like this. <laughs> I should like have this. said. I should have said before we started in the pre the preamble that I said to you downstairs earlier on. There's a point about, and it's almost exactly twenty minutes in, where comedians that I'm interviewing start to freak out that they're in front of an audience and not necessarily like performing or you know. So don't worry that they're looking no 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 they're not no I'm, 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 I'm good. they're good cool. <laughs> <laughs> So this is Sam. He's just he's just brilliant. He's really powerful on stage. And I, I suppose I not knowing him that well, I'd kind of bumped into him once or twice beforehand. I suppose I, I was a little bit uh, scared that he'd be um, that he'd be quite a sort of forceful, full on kind of a guy. But nothing could be further from the truth. He's a really lovely, twinkly man. And um and he was uh, very open and considered with his responses. So I really appreciate that. Uh, I hope you're enjoying this episode. We'll talk more about um, Sam's absolutely enthralling insistence that stuff is funny and, uh, and the, the kind of the confidence, I guess, that, uh, that motivates him 
and uh, and from which we could all probably learn a thing or two. Um, other brilliant stuff that I've seen this week includes Matt Ewins in his show, The Six Million Dollar Ewins, uh, which is just barking mad and you won't see anything else like it. Some brilliant video in there, um, some really kind of high, high-fi, low-fi at the same time sort of video and gags and um, it's just all sort of... It's a bit of clowning as well. I just, I've absolutely no idea how to describe Ewins. I'll get him on the show before long. So homework, if you're at the fringe, is to go and see the $6 million Ewins. Do not miss Joseph Morpurgo's show, Odessa. I don't see how he can possibly be overlooked for a, a nomination this year. Um, it is the most imaginative piece of comedy I think I've ever seen. It's, I was going to say it's terrifying. The show itself isn't terrifying, although elements of it are quite frightening to now come to think of it um but it is just it's it's bewildering like he's almost and i would never say this in i don't mean this at all negatively but he shouldn't be doing hours of comedy at the edinburgh fringe he should be directing three hour long movies he's just got this incredible imagination so don't miss that i mean i know i'm banging on about it but that the middle i don't want to spoil a single thing about it i wouldn't mention a word but there's a a section uh in the middle of the show uh, involving beat poetry, which it doesn't do it justice, but I'm sort of trying to say that in code so I don't give away anything about it. We, but if you've seen it, you'll know the bit I mean. I felt like my brain was leaking out of my ears. Hannah Gadsby, absolutely brilliant, trying to track her down for the pod as well, um, doing a show called The Exhibitionists, which is a sort of an analysis of um, portraiture and uh, and selfies and historical portraiture and uh, media portraiture and it, that is just fascinating and wonderful um, and Eleanor Tiernan as well has been uh, one of my other favourites uh, she is doing some quite brilliant stand-up her show is called Help the Frigid and that is on at the Counting House so check out those ones if you are going to spend any time at the Fringe or if you're already here thank you for donating £2 uh, those of you that did I've made that as some sort of loose semi-comment last time and a lot of you went for it. I really appreciate it. It's been invaluable moral support in the uh, the tougher little corners of the fringe here and there um, to occasionally have uh, a little £2 donation pop up on my phone from you guys. Uh, you can keep doing that if you like. Um, uh, if you go to comedianscomedian.com and click on the PayPal button, you can chuck me two quid, which buys me... I mean, I'm not really drinking this festival, so let's say that buys me an apple ties. Uh, I'm not accepting advertising money from those guys at the moment, but I'm happy to. Bubbles in uh, apple juice, great idea. <laughs> so that buys me, you know, half a pint. Um, and uh, that's a little pat on the back. I really appreciate that. Uh, if you would like to donate more, please don't let me stop you. Um, and you can buy tickets, of course, online uh, from pay-what-you-want.info or by clicking on the link or Google or searching uh, Goldsmith Podcast at heroesoffringe.com. Uh, you can buy advance £5 tickets for the next shows, which are going to be this Sunday, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday uh, with Phil Kay, Bridget Christie, Josie Long. And I, I almost have this one booked now and it's someone very, very good. So uh, there's a couple of people I'm talking to and I'm sure one of them will eventually get back to me and say, yes, they can do it. So either of those options will be very, very exciting indeed. Do come and see Extra Life, seven o'clock every night at the Pleasance Courtyard. It's my day off on Wednesday. And as you can hear from my voice, I'm very much looking forward to that. So uh, come and see that show as well. Uh, it's been lovely to have so many pod fans come and see the show and uh, and hang around afterwards and say hi. Um, so thank you for all of that. I think that's everything I need to say. Let's get stuck back into the wonderful Sam Simmons. <laughs> Take us through how you decided to do your first bit of 
performative comedy? Did you did you perform at all when you were a teenager? Um, I always wanted to be a, a singer in a band, so I was always in uh, like really shit bands. I was in a band called the Extremely Large Gorilla Men. I was in the Fragrant Thumbs, and it was an awesome <laughs> insignia. Was a thumbs up with a daisy head on the top, just okay. like Fragrant Thumbs, and we were terrible. And uh, were you really... motivating this, or was it like was that groups of friends or you and your mate? No, no, I really wanted it. Like, yeah. there's a, there's an Australian punk band. Um, they're huge. They're called the Hard Ons, and they're they're all over. Do you know the Hard Ons? Oh, Bob does. Of course he does. I, I auditioned to be the lead singer of the Hard Ons, and it was like, yeah, I totally didn't get it, but but it was such an extraordinary day, like going there and meeting Blackie and Ray, and anyway, so I was really, really wanted to do this, like that's what I wanted to do heaps, and um, and I wasn't very good at it, but I wasn't like striving to find anything or any meaning, because I was just stoned like constantly from 14 to 27, like and, and it has affected me. It's an, it, I can't touch it like whatsoever anymore but it did really um it fucked me up a bit but maybe what, it kind of like made things better with the weird shit what's what sort of if, what sort of effects are we talking about how do you mean like some memory oh, real, loss or depression or what you know, internal of, paranoia lots yeah. of depression lots of like really yeah horrible horrible dark stuff but and i was just like a, a, a i was just working in a bar in st kilda st kilda's kind of like how do i put it in a uh, what's it what's a drudgy part of london uh but, not sure about drudgy like sexy it's not like yeah. Soho because Soho's posh, but uh, do you know what it's I mean? Like, like a it sort was, of cheapy Soho, but yeah, okay. like right, just like hookers working on the corner, and really, like it was really extreme. Like I used to work in this place called Greasy Joe's, which was kind of like an American style place, and I used to open up the restaurant, and you get I, I got to know all the prostitutes and trannies that would come in, and they'd be uh, ordering a bowl of porridge first thing in the morning, and be like, "Fuck, really." It's been a hard night, porridge. But it was like a, like it was a really, really weird place to work. So I okay. guess there were ideas swirling around then. And then the th- reason why it all started was my mate Alison Bicknell got her handbag stolen at the pub. How Australian was that? Alison Bicknell got her handbag stolen. <laughs> um, people, people in the future will use that as a learning tape to get the exit. <laughs> Yeah, so she got a handbag on, so we decided to put on a benefit gig at the pub to, like, raise money to replace Alison's handbag. <laughs> so I, uh, I got up and I, I did these parody songs and they were terrible. And, uh, but th- there was something there and I really loved it. And I was like, oh, right, I don't have to be serious and pretend I'm a punk. Um, I was just a really, sh- like, a shit almost comic-y kind of guy. And it just, it just started from there and I, I loved it. And then I started doing rooms and... So did you? So what was your first experience of the circuit when you kind of passed through the membrane of going, oh, hang on, I can do this, and then you see, oh, there's a load of people already doing this. Had you not been? Had you been going to comedy gigs before then? No, nah, not at all. Didn't see any, nothing. And then rocked up at my first stand-up night and did well. Um, it was a musical thing. I had a mulleton with a bird on my shoulder. It was uh-huh. really weird. <laughs> and was and everyone else doing kind of straight straight stand-up? stand-up. And it was a really pivotal moment where there was a this Australian agent there who was out the back in the green room. It was kind of like a good gig to be on. Mm-hmm. And he came up to me and goes, oh, I, I saw your gig. And I went, oh, yeah. And he's like, you know, you did the thing with the wig and the, the bird. It was a bit shit. I'm like, oh. And that was my introduction to the comedy world. Yeah. <laughs> and it continues to be like that. It is. It's a lot of fucking men just like swanning around, just like, you know, flexing their muscles and I mean, it's not all negative, but, I mean, fuck, man, some of the green rooms, like, it's just... It's not a world I love to sit in very much. Do you, it's not as fun as it seems, like, really. It's just lots of ego. Do you feel quite apart from the comedy community? Is it, is not really. I've got great 
comedian friends, but in general, like, uh, yeah, it's not... Yeah, I don't feel heaps comfortable in it. I hate riffing. There's mm. nothing worse than just hanging in a room just riffing. Yeah. I used to live with three comics. We had a no riffing after oh, 11 rule. It's just, stuck. it's just tedious otherwise. It's so tedious. boring, isn't it? You get to the stage where people can't leave the room to go to bed unless they get a laugh to take <laughs> <about>. a <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't... I just... I can't stand it. Like, just, yeah. It's, it's, but there are aspects of that whole comedy world that I just love. I mean, the green rooms around the world are very different. Um, LA green rooms are great. Like, uh, no, one, no one hangs out, no one chants. They just do their spot and fuck off, and mm. that's it. I like mm. that. <laughs> I'm not going to force friendship. I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the stuff. Let's talk about writing the... Uh, your first hour. There was certainly the first hour that you brought here was fail. Was that your first hour or just the first one to travel to the UK? No, I bought a thing called Problems, which was like an amalgam of things over the years. Okay. And that died a miserable death. Um, but it was in, fun. In, in Great experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd done a few shows before that. I'd done like four um, solo shows in Melbourne to varying degrees of success. Actually, one went really good. It got nominated for a, the big award down in Melbourne. Okay. Um, and that's when I thought it was good. And then I got lazy. Then yeah. I got sad again. Yeah. Then I stopped being sad. Then I got good. And now I'm just, I don't know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Happy to stay with that. We'll, well, you know we'll, what I mean? Like, we'll it's, come, it's honest. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll come back to where you are now in, uh, in a moment. Um, in terms of the, when you say that you brought the stuff, when you brought the problem show and it died a death, was that lack of numbers in the audience, lack of the right sort of people that were getting it? Did no. you have the kind of bulletproof confidence that you have now that the stuff was funny in the face well, funny's, of... funny's funny. And it's, it's like, I go back to... Oh, he, he just went away. The one guy who was in the... <laughs> fuck me. He was the only guy who was in the show and he's already fucked off. <laughs> Has he gone to the toilet? Mm-hmm. That's all right. He went downstairs. Um, yeah, I mean, funny's funny. At the end of the day, it's funny or it's not. But, I mean, I do get really frustrated when... Like, I'll go back to it. When you're fucking dancing around on stage to Kanye West with a coconut, it only goes for 15 seconds. Just deal with it. Like, it's fucking funny. Anyway, I mean, so I will stick to that. I'm stoic in that belief that it's like, this is what it is. But uh, anyway, so when I was doing uh, Problems for the first time, it was just, yeah, tiny numbers. And it grew. Like, there were some people who really, really dug it. There were some great reviews in there. But it just didn't connect in any way. Then the second show I bought failed. That really hit really well. And then it got better and better. And do you, do you know why that one hit as opposed to Problems? Were there different things about that show? Was there work that you'd done that made it more successful? There was a massive breakup in there. Like okay. in between, and a bit of like, bit of heartbreak and all that shit, which you know, spurs you on. And so there's a little bit of truth in the show, but there wasn't. It was all hidden in like uh, okay. all the nonsense. But um, yeah, I, there was just something a bit more about that show. An emotional component. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's got that, that that that's that marriage thing um, of, I guess, because absurdity is really annoying, and it is. Like people just like yelling out random words. Fuck, just stop it. Like. But when you marry that with uh, something kind of emotional, it kind of... Uh, you know what I mean? That's, mm. that's what I felt like I hit with a couple of other shows later mm. on, where it's like, oh, fuck, what? Because I had a finale in a show a couple of years ago called The Precise History of Things. It was called Meanwhile Over Here, where I was uh, smashing... Uh, I had a, an old El Paso taco kit. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Right. So I would deconstruct the taco kit by the end of the show and I'd be taking the different components and getting it wrong. Like, I'd be trying to, like, eat the sachet of, like, powder, which is all fake. It was jelly crystals, but anyway. And I was smashing tacos into my bare chest. But it seemed like 
it was a really evocative, amazing, emotional connection thing to the audience because I built up this relationship with this taco kit for the hour because I was talking about in childhood taco night was like really, really important to me, rah, rah, which it was. It was great. It was an exciting night. Anyway, <laughs> so by the end, I'm, I'm getting this taco kit wrong and people were just like, oh, God, I, I know what you mean. But, <laughs> and it's that, it's, that, it's that when you can connect yeah. that really absurd shit with something that they think means something, that's good. So... It's a good moment. Yeah. So, yeah. so let's talk about how. What's the intention of that bit? Are you taking to get? Are you taking some emotion and some physical thing and smashing them together yeah. in lots of different ways and seeing which one works? Or are you deciding in advance? Okay, tacos. That's a thing when I was a kid. And yeah, no pain of smashing them. Which 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 way round does it, was, does it come? Yeah, it was backwards. So I just got up at a night with a taco kit. <laughs> And then played the theme music from Breakback Mountain, that really beautiful lilting guitar by uh, Gustavo. I can't remember his name. Anyway, and I just pulled apart this taco kit and I just started doing this thing and I was like, gee, it really feels like something's going on here. <laughs> and I thought, that's an end to a show. So I wrote it backwards from there. It, and, and was that... And just lied. That... It was just full of lies. Go on. How do you mean? Well, just like, you know, like the, the attachment to tacos and all that type of stuff, like, really, it's not there. But it seems like it is. Yeah, OK. And it, but it's quite manipulative. But, uh, and it's not like, oh, I'm going to set out to do this. It just happened by accident. It was a really happy accident, so I just did that. And that, that seeming, when you say, oh, it seems like there's something there, is that based on the reaction of the audience or was it based on your emotional reaction when you were doing it? Were you thinking, hang on a minute, this means something, or were you going, wow, this is affecting them? Oh. It was a bit of both, like you could tell, like, because, yeah, people thought it really meant something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. So it, um, yeah, and then I just, like, wrote the show backwards and it seemed like it meant something. And okay. And it didn't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And is that, so do you feel then if you're, if in a working show, what is it that you want out of an audience? You want them to laugh, you want them to feel stuff. What, what's your ideal kind of I don't know what I want. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's really frustrating having uh, you know, 300 people in a room and there's just really defiant crossed arms and apathy um, coming back at you because they're getting angry because they don't understand what's fucking going on. And it's just like, just give in. Like, it's going to be like this for a fucking hour. <laughs> We're 15 minutes in, just deal with it and you're going to get an amazing show. Like, you are. Yeah. Like, I'm, I know I'm not shit. Yeah. It's going to be an amazing show at the end, not just because you're leaving. Like, at the end, you're going to absolutely love it and go, oh, wow, that was something. So, I don't know what it was, but it was something. You know you're not shit. Do you ever think, maybe I'm shit? Oh, fuck yeah. Like, a lot. Like, on a daily basis. Not, not more often than not, not, not on stage, just in general. But, like, I mean, I'll have moments on stage where I'm just like, what are we doing? And I will stop the show and go, what is going on? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Like... It is, it's weird, it's so frustrating. I don't know what it is that doesn't connect sometimes. And the, word would, the words would be not funny, but it is. And I know it is, unless I'm just so fucking arrogant that I... I mean, I think it's funny, and I guess it's for me at the end of the day, but I mean... And I know people have invested money and they've paid to, like, come along and see a show, but fuck, I mean, aren't you seeing someone's vision and you're paying for that? I guess, you know, you get what you pay for. <laughs> Sucked in. Like, just, yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's what I want to do, you know. I'm not going to... I'm just not... 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Gonna change it. So, in the example of the, the show with the tacos, and meanwhile, as it was yeah. called in the UK, you, when you say you started with that, you found, okay, this is a thing I can work backwards from. And that's, that's sort of I a thing. I just thought it was a great end. And yeah. then just wrote something random around it that seemed random. And then it, like, it's just, it's just that, it's, look, you just write stuff. Like people would say, this show I'm doing at the moment is random. It's, it's just not in any way. Every single thing makes sense in it. And that's what I, that's what I, I love that writing process of making something like, uh, I want it to be seamless. I don't want you to get to the end and go, nah. Sure. So is it just a case then of, I mean, we, I, I just want to look close, more closely at this, this approach of, are you just making hundreds over the, over the writing process? Do you sit down and write the show or do you write five minutes and try that and see if it's funny and then write another five and try that? How does, how does that work? I go to, uh, look, I start the whole process in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Um, Adelaide's great. It's going to be even better when it's finished. <laughs> anyway, um, Adelaide's kind of like a, how would I describe it here? You've been? Yeah. Yeah, what's it yeah. like? Oh, it's crazy. It's like uh, Edinburgh, but much smaller, much, much hotter. Smaller, and, and the people it's, have got it's money. A, it's a weird place. It's like the serial killer capital of the world. Bob Slayer got kicked out of there for being weird, <laughs> being too weird. Um, but I'll, I'll start the show there. I'll, actually, I'll workshop uh, trial shows in the top of a pub in Sydney. Okay. So I'll do that. But you'll workshop the entire show? The entire show. And then just change huge chunks. I got here and spent so much time changing stuff in the first week. My wife can testify to this, that I was like up. I would wake up at like five o'clock in the morning after going to bed at two and just go, oh, you shit at comedy. And then just like get up and start writing and trying to change things. So, I mean, it it never stops. I mean, I think it's, Kitson said something about like your show never ends until the very last night, like the writing process and all that type of stuff. And yeah, I mean, I still constantly change stuff all the way through. So it just, it starts in Adelaide, it starts in a pub in Sydney, moves all the way through to here. And how long, how long have you worked on that show before the first performance in a pub in Sydney? Or in a pub in Adelaide? Oh, uh, you know, a good month or so. Yeah. Okay. And, just writing it. and how are you start? What are your starting points when you go, like, in the example of the tacos an end. bit? An end. An end. Needing a finale. Like, this year I wanted to, I wanted to do a show this year about, uh, okay, th- I wanted to come out of the closet as a horse. So I've seen a lot of, like, coming out shows. I was like, wouldn't it be good if I came out as a horse? Like, because it's kind of powerful. Like, I really, I really, you know, I knew I was a horse on the inside. And then at the end, I come out as a horse. So that was my end. It was a latex hoof. Yeah. I'm giving away the end of the show. Yeah. But anyway, it was a latex hoof. I'm like, fuck yeah, just stoically standing there going hoof with a hoof. Yeah. And then I rode it backwards. Yeah. So, when, but when you're writing... But no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I... I've seen it. I know what you mean. I, <laughs> I know what you mean in terms of finding an end and writing backwards, but how do you add the other things? What, thing, what, what is the process by which things occur to you to go, maybe that would work, maybe the windsurf... You know, how do you well, get from I, hoof I, to windsurfing? I, windsurfing makes me laugh. Okay. I was like, windsurfers are weird. Uh, that would be a good thing. And are you surfing horses? All right, how do I get that to work? All right, coconuts. Oh, you can split a coconut down in the middle and you can make those horse hooves. You know, the... Yeah, is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. So I thought, well, um, okay, you, you lost at sea. Coconuts might wash up. This seems like really tenuous links, but it's not. It's brilliant. Anyway, <laughs> so all this type of stuff comes together and like you just you cobble it together. Like the other night, I realised that I've got this bit about a jellyfish and mm-hmm. then I realised that fucking horses' hooves are in gelatin. Do you know that? Like back in the old... 
Look at him. Like, yeah, you just ruined jelly forever for that Yeah, but guy, jelly, jelly was originally made of horses' hooves. I'm like, fuck, that's in the show already. I'm talking about jellyfish. And I eat a jellyfish and it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's a psychotic jelly. Psychotic, so, no, is that, what do you call it? Uh, psychedelic? Psychedelic jellyfish. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, it's made of horses' hooves. Genius. So what's the difference then between the fish monkey teeth shouting stuff out and shouting stuff out and finding links between it? Is it the same stuff that you're... Is it, you know, is, is horses and windsurfing, is that as, uh, as random as going, you know, fish, monkey, teeth? Yeah, totally, teeth? but you've got, to, you've got to believe what's being said. Like, um, like, I mean, I hate to think I'm one of those annoying absurdists, but maybe I am. Like, there are certain audiences and certain people who just won't go for it, but, I mean, I don't think it's that tenuous. Sure, no, I'm, I, don't, I don't think you are, but what's the difference in your head between the, that stuff and the know. stuff that annoys you? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's easy to see really bad absurdism. Like... There's nothing... It's more annoying than bad stand-up. Mm. So you're... On the subject of stand-up, just one of the elements of the show at the moment, you talk about um, turning people into sausages. Yeah. You've got that routine about turning the elderly into sausages. Yeah. And that, I sort of watching that, I kind of went, wow, this is sort of almost stand a straight stand-up. Yeah, totally. It's, uh, yeah, it's about thoughts of cannibalism, which, you know, if you're on the high seas dying, you'd think about eating your arm. And I have an internal dialogue talking about how uh, maybe we should turn old people into sausages and people sure. go, oh, I don't feel good about this. But it is, it's kind of like stand-up. So is that a bit that you sat down and wrote at two in the morning when you went, right, there's, I've got an idea and I'm just going to expand well, on it was written, see where it goes? That's one of the pieces that was always in there. And okay. it's probably one of the bits that really puts the audience offside. Yeah. And it's about 15 minutes in that there's a definite feeling of we don't like this. Mm-hmm. But fuck it, I'm leaving it in because like uh, it, it makes complete sense. It... I was inspired also by that, you know, that, um, oh, the guy that fell off the mountain, broke both of his knees into his leg. What's Ooh. it called? The documentary? Um, uh, touching the, the void. void. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those moments of death that that guy went through, like coming close to death and hearing that Boney M song like over and over again. I was like, fuck, that's funny. Anyway, so, so it was like taking real things, like taking the absolute reality of being swept out to sea and thinking you're going to fucking eat yourself, you're going to talk to yourself, you're going to go slowly mad. Um, so grounding it in that complete reality. So I was like, well, fuck, cannibalism stays. That's mm-hmm. staying in there. And I know that it dives the show, but I'm not getting rid of it. So you compared this show to the first hour you did. What changes have you made in terms of the process and the, the performance of the stuff that you do? Is this, well, is this a show you could have made then? Or? No. Well, just more narrative and a lot more. I work in audio a lot, so there's a lot of uh, yeah. VO and voiceovers and music and all that type of stuff, which I just love. I just... You know, it puts textures in the show. And mm-hmm. and also, in a cheaty way, I can remember what I'm saying. Yeah. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. get really confused on stage. I mean, the moments I've tried stand-up, it's quite scattery. I mean, I love doing something like... Do you guys know Setlist? Yeah. I love doing Setlist because it's mm-hmm. just complete freedom. It's like a... It's a comedy enema. Like, you, mm-hmm. uh, for people who don't know what it is, it's... Uh, Improvised like topics. They on give stage. you topics flashed up on a screen behind Love you. Love doing just it have so much. There's no filter whatsoever, and it's. Uh, I think it kind of it, it sorts the funny bones from the not funny bones, which is really mm. interesting about that show because there's mm. a lot of structured, just that structured stand-up stuff, and it's like beat, 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 beat. There's the joke. I was like, fuck, I've heard this a hundred times before, and it just. With something like that, you can just see like a, a brain kind of racing, and it's wonderful. But anyway, it, what was it? Uh, I was talking about the difference, <laughs> the, the difference between your stuff now and what it was then, and how it's developed. Yeah, I Have think you, I was which, a lot, which bits I was a lot more ran, rambling. No, yeah. um, no links, no stitching together, no 
kind of, which I think is seamless stuff and it just comes down to writing where, mm. I mean, I will challenge an audience at the end of every show I've done it. Like you try and, you come and talk to me and, and you point out anything that's random in there and I'll tell you why it's there and it's not. Um, and I never used to have that kind of uh, ability. But it's interesting that you would because I remember the show I saw, like you said, every show, you, you challenge the audience to... You challenge the audience to, and you say that you can prove everything makes sense. I mean, mm. if you have confidence that everything makes sense, why would you need to challenge the audience? Because it's a frustration of like, oh, well, this is really shit. It's a frustration of having um, an apathetic audience sometimes. Mm. That's it. I mean, and it's, it's just a, it is a whingy complaint I've got about Friday, Saturday nights, and I'm not going to get all bloody uppity about it. Like, I'm better than the people on a Friday, because I'm not. Like, sure. they've paid money, and funny's funny. They're just not. Like but you're saying to every it, time. But I'm frustrated. Well, it's not every time. Some okay. nights I won't. That's okay. not every single time. But uh, I will get frustrated if they're not. I mean, for fuck's sake, again, I'm trying to open a coconut like to Kanye West and I'm banging it. It's really fuck. It's funny, isn't it? <laughs> it's 15 seconds long, but you just feel the audience go, fuck off. The, uh... it's, just that, it's just that kind of like, fuck off. I'm here to talk about things I like. Fucking talk, speak good more, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you know what I mean? It's just like, I know what the pressure is on a Friday, Saturday night. You've paid your money. This better be. And it's, look, they also, they'll get a flyer that's covered in fucking five stars and award nominations. Mm -hmm. And in their head, they, fuck, I feel really bad. Like, they're like, well, if it's got all this, it's got to be the funniest thing in the world. And then you can tell 15 minutes in after I'm talking about eating nanas, they're like, oh, no. Has that actually got harder now that you're critically lauded to that no, extent? Not, do you, do you oh, think no, 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 that... My, 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 my midweeks are great. My, um, tonight was fantastic. Just sometimes it gets hard. I mean, it just shouldn't be hard, though. It should just connect in a way. But uh, and mate, Look, I've still got leaps and bounds. I'm nowhere near where I want to be yet. I'll, mm. I'll get better and better. It's just, I'll get there. Yeah. So I'm going to, if it's okay with you, I'm going to ask people, uh, I'll give an opportunity for people to ask you questions, mm -hmm. if that's okay. Didn't yeah. mention that, sprung on you. Um, but uh, I'll give you a moment to come up with questions while you, I've got something else, aren't you? Hold your wish, mate. I've got one. Um, <laughs> So I was going to say, you, you said there, before we, before we come to the audience, um, you said there about that's, you know, you're miles away from where you want to be. Do you know what you want to be? Do you know what, what is that vision of, of ultimately, if it all worked to a brilliant audience, what would be your ultimate show as you see it at the moment? Well, that's the thing. I mean, but it's also, you know, whether you, what you want to be as an ultimate human. Like, I mean, I don't know whether I want to be doing this forever. Like, really, like... It's great and I love doing it, but I don't know whether it's what I want to do always. I mean, I, I'm almost like a fully qualified zookeeper. Uh, this is true. I, mean, yeah. is untrue, I think I knew that. I don't know Yeah, what right. So um, I worked at Melbourne Zoo for three years and I was about – I had a choice. This is a very true thing that happened. Like I, I, was, I was doing like education at the zoo. I was a ZEP, zoo education person. Anyway, I was a ZEP. ZEP. Yeah, I was a yeah. ZEP. Doesn't make sense now. Anyway, so I was a Zeb. So I do education. I talk to people in the public about um, elephants and seals. And then I got to know the keepers, wonderful people, because they're selfless. They just look after animals. And they realised that you know, I had that kind of thing with animals as well. So I always wanted to do vet science. Mm -hmm. So I got this job at the zoo. This is like right at the peak of my stony years. Um, just about to get into comedy. Comedy started happening. I was going quite well. I had the opportunity to then fly to Thailand... Uh, to work with six female elephants that were being brought out to Australia. Uh, they were going out to the Cocos Islands. This sounds ridiculous. <laughs> they were going out to the Cocos Islands to be put in quarantine and okay. I was going to work with them and essentially come back a fully qualified keeper. At the same time, I then had an opportunity to work in radio in Australia um, okay. on a really big broadcaster oh, there Triple called J. Triple J, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so I, I could join the fucking, get, I could join the circus or the zoo. <laughs> and I, I chose the circus. And I still look back at it because I miss it massively. Like it was just a very honest thing to be doing, picking up shit in a paddock. Hmm. Like at six o'clock in the morning with like, you know, in, uh, on a really cold Melbourne morning with steam coming off. It was like, this is real. Mm. And then I'm out on stage, I'm just copping shit from the audience. I'm just like, fuck, this is nothing. This is so fickle. And it is, it's such a fickle pursuit, all this. It's ridiculous. And so, I mean, maybe one day what I'd love to do to evolve that is to marry the two because I'm passionate about animals and conservation. And I'd love to maybe, and not in a monkey cheese and teeth way, do a show about animals, but I'd love to, like, you know, present documentaries in a very, very fun way that uh, people can connect with that's not like a... How are you, mate, buddy, Steve Irwin, jumping on animals, all that type of thing, or just like fact, 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 fact. Oh, no, I'm learning. Just make it like really... <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's nothing worse than you just watching a documentary. You're like, oh, no. Like, you know, remember you're at school and, like, people have come to the school to talk to you. And you'd be like, initially, like, yeah. And then, like, you're like, oh, no, this is education, like, hidden in, like, some type of performance art. I'm learning. Anyway, so... It, it, yeah, doing that kind of thing, that's what I'd love to do eventually. I yeah. don't think I'd like to be a clown for sale forever. I mm. don't think... I don't like television spots and all that kind of stuff. Like, I fucking hate it so much. The pressure... And it is, it's like this... It's a management thing, and they'll be listening, and I know that they know that I feel like this as well, mm. but I fucking hate it. Like, it's... Uh, condense what you do into three minutes, get on stage yeah. and win. It's so competitive. I, I saw your Conan clip. Yeah, which is a really odd one. Like, yeah. And live... Uh, when I did that, extraordinary. And when I watched it back, I was like, fuck, that was a wrong choice. Like, I, I chose something a little bit too obscure, but at the same yeah. time, I'm going back to do more there sure. with them, which is great. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really hard to condense what you do down. And it's probably because it's not funny. It doesn't connect all the time. But uh, that spot live is wonderful. And the energy in that room was extraordinary. And then mm. you watch it back and it's like, fuck, it was like I'm performing in a fridge. Yeah. Like, it was really devoid of... Sure. Anything, but and yeah. you've you've uh, you've made the TV show problems yeah. as well. I've seen a, some, some clips of that, not yeah. old episodes. But are you do you feel satisfied in t in putting the stuff on TV? Does do you get the same buzz from making that stuff? I I'd, mean, lo you... I'd love to like. I mean, I did a show back in Australia called Problems. It was like a sketch show. It was really anarchic and weird. We were commissioned really really late in the year. We made it in a month and we wrote the whole thing and. Are you just telling me to get out? Yeah, can you fuck off? Get out. No, I'm just uh, discreetly asking Bob if he could waft the back door because I, for one, am yeah, melting. Yeah, stifling. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, so I wish I had a bit more time to write it, but I'd love that process to be able to write something properly for Tally and put the, invest the amount of like, time and passion into like a, a project that can live forever apart sure. from a show, which is kind of over. Just, just another note on the, on the assemblage of the stuff that you do. Um, do you, what sort of stuff do you reject from your shows? And why? When you, because I'm just interested in that in that kind of collage. When you take this idea, you move backwards from that. You add a lot of stuff that seems random. Sense comes out of it. Yeah. What sort of decisions are you making where you put a bit in and like? Can you give us an example of something you've taken out of your current show and why? Yeah, right. I put in. I thought it'd be really good to have uh, pre-organised heckles in the show, <laughs> just because it'd be like you know, past the audience, just like I don't understand this. So I gave out a, a, a group of uh, a bunch of laminated cards, and I only did it for one night, and it worked really well. But I got rid of it because it just changed the show in a different way. Where mm. a lady would stand up and go. I really enjoyed the subtle themes from that, but I don't understand what's going on. Or, like, you know, this bit's a bit shit. Right around the audience are like, yeah, we relate, because it is. <laughs> um, but I got rid of that because, uh, yeah, just, I, it was really funny, but it didn't mm. fit the, you know, okay. the flow of the show at all. Okay. But, and um, those, yeah. those... I mean, I drop heaps of stuff all the time. 
Yeah. Like, and, you know, it must be weird for you who came to the show and, like, just thinking, well, fucking hell, like, how shit was the shit you dropped? <laughs> <laughs> and you're... The, what are the starting points for all of these individual bits? I know, there's, I know there's, like, the end and you work backwards, but in terms of whether, like, you see a... I don't know, God, you see a tree fall over and you think... Maybe I'll put a tree in the show. I mean, do you, do you have any method of harvesting stuff? What I, what I mean is, do you see what I mean? In terms of the, the scope of what could be in your performance is anything. Kind of. I mean, within the realms of what the story is. You know okay. what I mean? Like, um, but at the same time, you're, you're presumably not following a specific line of a story to the exclusion of things that appear not to be connected to it. That's a really complicated sentence. No, 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 that makes sense. I mean, look, yeah, well, it's just, is it random for random sake or is it in there for a purpose? I mean, I guess it's like, a, all right, when you, when you see a faultless stand-up show and then you just, like, see a bit in the middle and you're like, that doesn't even, why is that in there? Like, it doesn't yeah. relate. It's like, oh, no, that's just a funny bit that you're trying to buoy the audience up but then you're back into the other story. It's just, I mean, you can put those gems in but, I mean, I, I, I choose not to. I mean, I want, it, I want it to be a singular kind of thing. And do you have okay, a... Yeah, what a wank. No, oh, no, no, wanker. Nah, this, is, this is what we want. It's what they want. Look at them. Look. Um, <laughs> do, you, uh, do you have a method of harvesting those sort of starting points? Like, do you sit in front of a blank page ever and go... Yeah, yeah. Where, I've got what, like, how uh, do I get some Index cards, blue tack on the wall, madman, serial killer, just like doing this, 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 move it there, move it there. Solitude, walking, lots of like, you know, really dark movie scores and a lot of classical music, just like thinking weird things in the supermarket, like, oh, this will be good. And, like, you think in your head, this is going to be the best, and then you do it on stage, and people are like, nah. But things that you love, I, 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 that I love, I will leave in. Okay. So there's no, um, yeah, unless it's diabolically shit, I will leave it in if I like it. Sure. Something that I've done before I just come to, to the audience, last thing I wanted to ask uh, on, on the, the content is something I've noticed is there seems to be quite a lot of physical suffering in your shows. Like, you do things which are difficult or oh. repetitive or energetic the or audience. painful. No, you. Right. <laughs> no, you. Smashing tacos into yourself really well, hard. that violent Actually, stuff? Yeah. I would bleed from that. Yeah, so I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, right. So I, I, I would smash the tacos into my... They're, they're, they're hard shell. Um, <laughs> I'd smash them into my, my chest so violently because it's a really passionate bit that I would be bleeding and I'd be like, I'm a fucking taco punk. Um, but it's just like, it's that passion. I mean, it's also that passion that I'll get on stage if people aren't really getting what I'm doing. And it's just like, well, fucking get this. Like, it's just because I, I mean, I, I love it. I, I, it is that physical stuff. Like, I mean, I know physical, I mean, I'm not like a bloody, am I? Am I like a weird, I mean. Go on. Do you know what I mean? Like a, well, a weird physical comedian. But I guess I, I do, I, I move. I move on stage and I, yeah. I, it's just, it's what I do. Like, I like music and I move to it. Um, it's not, it's not even planned. Like, I don't think of dance moves. Like, I'll just move, I'll grind, I'll do stuff. But, um, yeah, it, it is physical and it is a bit violent. Mm. I'm, yeah, I've got a rage. I heard that when you're doing the tacos bit, if the audience weren't going for it, you'd, that's when you'd end up hitting yourself so hard that you'd bleed. Yeah. So it's like really fucked up, huh? <laughs> it's just passion. All it is is passion. It's not weird. It's just, you know, it's just belief in something. Like I really would go for it if they didn't. Yeah. And then I'd use, use um, Sudocream straight after the show and just lacquer myself. So let's go to the audience for some, uh, for some questions. You first, this gentleman over here. So this is about your drawings. Uh, are you still doing that now or have you left it behind? And at what point did, were you incorporating that into the stage? All right, gone. They're gone now. 
I did them early and they went up for a while and then I got someone else drawing them. I started drawing them and I got this amazing artist called Brad Cook um, back in Australia who, yeah, he's just got a really bent head. So I wouldn't tell him what to draw sometimes. I would just give him like a few words or a paragraph and I'd just get sometimes like the drawings were terrible. They didn't make sense. Well, they weren't terrible drawings, but they didn't make sense in what I was trying to do. But some of them were just like, Jesus, that's awesome. So I'd use that. It's kind of like uh, just working with someone. Like I, I work with the sound guy as well and, yeah, kind of it's collaborative. So you'd react live to like you wouldn't see what he'd drawn until you were no, on no, stage? No, 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 no. I'd, I'd get them back. You'd and get, then, and then like, write like, around no, them. That's not in the show. That's in the show. That's, yeah. Yeah, so. Okay. So what are the best things about playing a festival as opposed to usual gigs? And that's an interesting point. What, what are usual gigs for you outside of a festival? Are there any? No. Are you, you, you don't oh, do are, circuit I, work? No, I do all the alternative rooms over in... Uh, I live in Los Angeles now, so yep. I do a lot of those rooms over there, which are... Fuck Americans, man. Like, they're, they're amazing. Like, like they're great. I, I thought I'd hate them. They're incredible. Like, they're just so buoyant. Different rooms to play. So, like... Uh, they're into it. Like, I will rarely die on a stage over there. Then I get here, got to latitude, death. Like, it was just like, oh, fuck, welcome home. Like, I cannot yeah. believe this. Just, and I don't know what it is. Like, is it an anti-Australian thing? Is it anti-Antipodean? Like, I sometimes mm. feel like, yeah, you can beat us at sport, don't be good at art. Like, <laughs> fucking hell. Like, it really shits me. Like, I really feel it here sometimes. Like, I just don't get it. But, um, and, but I, I, doing the fringe is, it's just fucking hard, but I love doing it. And I love fixating on my show because it's the best part. I hate performing, love creating, love writing the show. I love getting up at six o'clock in the morning thinking I'm shit and then turning it around within the day and it hopefully works. The performing side of it, I don't, re- I don't enjoy that much. That's that incredible. Yeah, that's very unusual. I mean, I... My wife knows that completely. Like, she knows how I feel like... Before and after, just, just it's, it's that's why. I mean, I, I probably should move out of it. Okay, this is really bad, isn't it? This no, is, this is really good. This I'm is good. Really I'm good. I know that I'm good. I am good, but I. <laughs> there's something that makes me think. Just, just you'd probably be happier not. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Because it is a struggle. Have you? Is, is there any other way? Is there a way for you to do that? Could you become a comedy director or a comedy writer and That's get a thing, people maybe. to do your shows? Maybe, maybe completely. Maybe be a reviewer. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about it today. I was like, "Fuck, I'd be a good reviewer. I would yeah. like to do that." Yeah. Yeah, hate stand up. So yeah. <laughs> I love good stand up. I fucking hate. Yeah. Anyway. Go on, who's, who's good stand-up then, just on the subject of stand-up? Because I know my, uh, my listenership do, do will know, write in right, and go... Do you know who fucking blew... And I know he's the, ho- the, the fucking hot hit boy at the moment, mm. but uh, James Acaster, I saw him in New Zealand, and it yeah. fucking blew me away. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. It's just so good. Every, every word is perfect. It's uh, just I thought Hannibal they... Barres in the States as well. Fuck me, I love him so much. And Dave Quirk, my mate at home, yeah. who I know you've had on the podcast. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. He's amazing. Quirk, Barres and Acaster, all friends of the show. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. I thought of Acaster earlier on, actually, when you were talking about what happened with Fail, whereby there was absurdity but with an emotional undercurrent yeah. where something had happened and you're talking about it without letting on that you're talking about yeah. it. That's an interesting sort of parallel. Yeah, totally. They can work really well. If they don't, they don't. But, yeah, I mean, there's many others that I love as well. But, um, yeah, for, for your meat and veg stand-up, I just, yeah, they're, they're, they're brilliant. So is you on stage holding a windsurf sail talking about dying on stage? Yeah. Is that an insurance policy against the show going badly? 
I guess it is, but I do it every single night, that bit. <laughs> and I love that bit because that's one of my favourite bits where it's like... Because it's just, it's just wordplay, that, that bit there, where it's like uh, uh, I'm crying and my voiceover says to me, hey, what's the matter? And I go... And he goes, uh, that'll happen when you're dying. And I'll be like, on stage. Yeah. Like, it's, just, it's just a bit of wordplay. It's just fun. But sure. it's no, it's no it's, I guess it's an insurance policy. But, I mean, I always do it. That's always in there, no matter how it goes. Um, you just, we'll, we'll come to another question in a moment. I just want to just touch back again on, um, on rage. You mentioned rage before. Mm. And you're obviously on stage. There is, I mean, you're, you have a real passion and a drive on stage. Do you think that your work is motivated by anger more than other emotions? Yeah, a little bit. Like, that's is that totally... Your, is that your wife laughing? Yeah, it is. is. Yeah, yeah. It's full-on Basil Fawlty. Like, there's yeah. nothing funnier than an irate man. Like, I fucking... Yeah. I think it's funny as hell. Not like an angry, sad old, sad man, but like a, an irate man. Like, it's just... It's just funny and it comes really naturally. I get really pissed off, like, at things in general. Like, I wish I could do stand-up and be that thing that could just like go, I don't like this and this and this, because I'd be really good at it if I could do it. Because I get really angry at things. And, but I, and I, I have, an, yeah, I have an, an anger in me and, it, and it's a joyous anger. It's not like a, a really full-on one, but it's like a, yeah, I mean, I, it's Basil Fawlty. Yeah. Okay. So and I didn't. I didn't go. Oh, I'm going to do that. Like I just. Yeah. Just, that's well, that was going to be my next question about whether or not you, whether that was a choice or whether it's like no. you're on stage, something doesn't work, no, you I'm get angry. angry, they laugh, and you go, "Hang on, I'm onto something." No, I'm just angry. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that became a. Yeah. Like through confusing audiences for years, I got angry and angry. Then it became a thing. Yeah. Um, just uh, before we come on to that next question, I just wanted to ask: Is there anything your wife would like to add or challenge you on? Because very rarely do we get the. Uh, Rarely do we get the experience of having a, a performer's partner in the audience. I'll do that at home later. Okay, fair news. <laughs> Hello. It's been, been honest, though, hasn't it? I haven't bullshitted. Have I? Shaking her head for a Well, she? <laughs> Fuck. Oh, Rosie. That you were so just to, to talk about that when you were smashing the tacos on your chest, yeah. you were saying you were trying to Sam was trying to create his happiest moment on stage, and he did want yeah, the well audience that's, to that's, receive. Well, that's the written part. Like that's that's the thing. But it's like the, the, where it came from was an accident. Like I literally, sure. I didn't go. This is happy and start doing that. Sure. But then I turned it into something where it did seem like it was something. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. We'll go to another question over there. Yes. When you were prepping for Conan, did the, uh, did the network give you notes? And you're saying no. No. Like, they actually said to me, go weirder. Like, I gave them an initial script that was probably, uh, probably easier to digest. And they went, no, do your weird stuff. And I was like, really? And they suggested a bit that I do called Pinecone People, which you've got no <laughs> idea what this is. Whereas basically it was me. I've, it's prop-based. Judge me, whatever. And... Uh, where I dress up different pine cones to be friends. <laughs> it's really funny. Like, it's really, really good. And basically he said, do pine cone people. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, that's just too weird to do. And then I ended up being fucking way too weird. But, um, yeah, no, they were amazing. That's, and that, that, would, that never happened to me anywhere else, like doing television mm. anywhere. Like, that's extraordinary. How good's that? Yeah, fucking oath. Structure 
for stuff for censors, censorship purposes. And yeah. all I could think was, what did he tell you? <laughs> yeah. So, like, what do you do this so often? Anyway. Yeah, no, look, they were... Um, no, they were completely cool with it. I mean, it was a couple of other people that didn't really like it, but... Um, mm. Yeah, they, they were fantastic. They're, they're big supporters. Like, they came along, the Conan writers came along to the shows and that's kind of how I got a bit of a break over there. They just came and saw me doing my, my mm. weird hour and they were like, just get him on, just let him do what he does, which is great. I mean, if they can cultivate that kind of weird shit, that's awesome. And what's the advantage to you? What are the, what are the primary uh, uh, positive qualities of living in LA? I mean, you mentioned the stand-ups and the green rooms and things like that. American but... audiences, yeah. fantastic. Really just positive people. Like, I mean, it's just... Australians are like Australians are pretty like sorry, but we're pretty nasty. Like, and we've got a bad. It's bad over there at the moment. We've got a bad government in, and mm. so I know you guys have all well, down there. What's happening up here? What is it? Right or left up here? Uh, it's what's happening? Yeah, it's it's kind of sliding right. Yeah, okay, it's right, right and it's yeah, sliding well, it's, right. It's heading there. toward Australian territory, but also we're um, yeah. I mean, I don't know whether we're the nicest people in the world, really. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I love being an Australian, but. Mm. When I got to the States, it was just extraordinary. Like, uh, it took me quite a few months to kind of understand what was going on. It's like I, I broke in a sandwich shop. It finally hit me. It was like, I'm super cheaper, happy to see you. And I'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake. What is wrong with you people? I'm just getting a sandwich. And then you're like, oh, no, you are like this. You are nice. And yeah. I know there's guns, there's all this fucked up shit there, but I've never met so many positive people. Like, when I'm in Australia, it's just like, yeah, you're fucking weird, mate. Got here or got to the UK and it'd be like, no, we do weird. And then I got to the States, they're like, oh my God, you're so weird, let's do something. Like, that's the mentality and that's how it changes. That's why, it's, that's why I love being over there. It really feels like I can do stuff there and probably, it's great, like they'll bloody massage you and lubricate you into just fucking doing what you want. Mm. They will, they're amazing and that's, that's a, the thing. There's, I mean, even that editing thing like with Conan, like, Fuck me, like maybe it's to my detriment, but uh, yeah, I, I, I adore it. But they it's fully wonderful. supported you, the Conan guys, and were just like, do totally, this, Totally, totally. Everything I've done over there, I mean, I made a, a, a pilot for Animal Planet, mm. um, and it's my dream job, and it was like a... Have we got time to talk about this really quick? Sure, man, yeah. Oh, my boy, it's a fun story. Uh, me and a guy called Dave Quirk, who we mentioned before, we made a series for Animal Planet, um, and it was called Men Are Animals, and it was about me looking for my favourite weird animals. So it wasn't about lions, tigers, giraffes, right, right. it's about armadillos, tapirs, narwhals, all that type of shit. So we did armadillos in Albuquerque. Dave comes over and it's like, uh, it's, it's a fake reality show, but it's reality. So we had to like fake the reality to make the reality show. Does that make sense? I said to them, look, uh, at Animal Planet, I said, look, I want to make it like the trip, you know, the Steve Coogan, Rob Brydon thing. Um, and they're like, yeah, we love the trip. They didn't see the trip. Anyway, so they, <laughs> they got this edit back and they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> Which is where I felt the force of where they want to push you into doing something different. It wasn't their fault. They wanted like a, another kind of Steve Irwin-y mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. They didn't get that. They got a, a really weird thing. They re-edited it and it was just ridiculous. It was like this crunchy guitar going, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, men are animals. This is Sam. He's a comedian. This is Dave. He loves skateboarding. They love animals. It was just like the weirdest <laughs> show. With us doing these weird, fake-like animal interaction things, it was just shit. But I've got the material. I've mm. got it all. I've got the, and I'm going to re-edit it because it's fun. It's really, mm. really fun. But I understood why they didn't get that because I wanted this, they wanted that, and it just went right down the middle. It missed it. So, you know, that's, that's what happens. But they were great. They were great about it. We got to make it. 
This lady thought Problems the TV show was the best thing she'd ever seen. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Would you do it again? I'd love to, but the uh, the ABC, and like I get this at home as well, they were just like, the nanas don't like it, like the older audience. So they didn't let us come back. And then, um, fuck, some amazing stuff's come of it. Like we, it screened over here and... You know, it, it went well here on like a smaller network, Dave, but it, like people loved it, and mm. yeah, I mean, I don't think we'll go back to doing it again. And Claudia's off doing stuff; it just it just won't happen again. I would love to do it again. I love doing it so much, but um, yeah, the powers that be just thought it was too weird, and it wasn't. It was it had a heart. It's a real shame that show got fucked. It was good. Should look at it. One of the there's no. <laughs> There's no... I was trying to find it on YouTube. There's, there's tiny clips, but there's... Yeah, we're going to release it on uh, Funny or Die. Oh, OK, It's got to be on there. Yeah. Cool. Um, I often ask uh, comics, what's your advice for newer comics? I know there's lots of new comics listening to this. Obviously, you have uh, much more specific tastes in stand-up than someone who would be like a regular stand-up. You know, like you said, beat, 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 laugh, unpack or whatever. But what advice would you give to people who are trying to pursue a similarly iconoclastic path to yours? Make mistakes. See, just make mistakes. Just get out there and do it. Just make lots of mistakes. Just continue to make them. <laughs> and don't care. Don't fixate. There's nothing worse than people like looking at comedy like it's some business regime kind of thing. Like, I see so many young comics coming up, like... And it's not like, oh, no, here comes another young one, but, like, 16-year-olds. And it's like, really? How do you know? Like, go get your heart broken. Fucking... Like, do a job, then do comedy. Like, I mean, yeah. that's telling people how to live their lives. But, I mean, um, yeah, I think just do it. Don't try too hard. Don't take it, don't take it seriously. The, the less I care, the better it goes. That's what I've learned. I used to really fixate on stuff. But the less I care, the better it is. And I mean, like, personally. Sure. Does that make sense? That sounds like it's really yeah, against the less, everything I've The I'm less said, you're invested in it having to succeed, yeah, the better totally, it is. Yeah, totally. Totally. But I'm yeah. lucky enough to be in a position where it's good enough where it's my job. And I'm so fuck all that stuff. Just make mistakes. Thanks, man. No worries. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam Simmons. Thank you. So that was Sam. Thanks to him for coming along and bringing his wife, as you uh, you heard there. It was very lovely to have a, a, an act wife or you know, long term partner in the audience who could. Uh, uh, we could go to for um, uh, for a little bit of checking as to whether or not they had uh, as to whether my guest had been entirely honest uh, that was a, a nice little move there I was quite proud of that um, so thank you to everyone that came thanks everyone uh, for coming to the show thanks to Bob Slayer and Misbehave uh, they're both doing their own shows up there please go and see those at Bob and Misbehave's bookshop on Holyrood Road thank you as well to my tech James Peggs Lowie yeah, my good old Edinburgh tech he was back with me and Nathan Wood co-produced this episode that's all I've got to say at the moment. Thank you very much for listening. I'm going to go and see a load more shows and I'm going to try and rehydrate and get back on it. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. (laughs) 